Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Catch Up with Louise Makshari. I am Louise Makshari, and I am only delighted you have chosen to listen today. This is a podcast that basically tries to catch you up in the week. If you haven't been paying attention, that's totally fine. No problem. No judgment here. And we will try and get you up to date with the news, with the stuff that's been going on in the world of entertainment, and even bring you an interview with someone relevant to everything that's going on. I hope you're well. I hope you had a good week. I can't believe it's only been a week since I last spoke to you in this context. Um, last time I spoke to you, I was just about to go to New York and I edited and uploaded that episode in two different countries. Um, and some of some some in, in the air. Can you believe it? Um, as I told you, I was going to New York. Um, I booked the trip myself as a treat to myself for my 40th birthday, which is um tomorrow as I'm speaking but today as you're listening um which is wild um and I do not regret it at all it was amazing flying business class is (sighs) I don't know how I'm gonna go back I don't know how I'm going to go back it's amazing it is just such a different experience and it's not even all this stuff in the air like don't get me wrong you know one of the main reasons I booked it in the first place is because as a bigger person um you know flying can be a little bit anxious you know you you're well I think most of us are concerned that you won't have enough space or you'll be kind of infringing on someone else's space and that person might not be nice about it um and all that kind of stuff goes out the window if you're in business class and then also you get to skip all the cues like what? Now, part of me felt kind of obnoxious, but another part of me was living. <laughs> and as a treat, it was really, really amazing. And also on the way home, your seat fully reclined. So we could literally fold it, like lie, lie down and sleep, which felt criminal, to be honest, in the business class seat. You know what I mean? Don't know, waste that time sleeping, but it was amazing. So we could get back and kind of get straight into life to a certain extent. I'm still pretty wrecked. But anyway, it was amazing. Um, I've made some reels on Instagram and stuff. If you want to see more and you haven't seen them, you can go and see them there. I've actually just noticed that all of the sections for this week, usually I might let one section go a little bit long, but this week they've all gone a little bit long. So the episode is slightly longer than normal, but it's all good stuff. And um, we've got lots to talk about later on. 
going to be talking to Juliana Scheel, who has a new podcast where she's basically giving women a platform to talk about their experiences of domestic abuse um, and relationship abuse. Um, don't worry, I will give you a good warning when that's coming up, if that's not something that you're kind of in a position to hear today. And then later on after that, we'll be talking salad dressing to Graham Norton, James Corden, all that kind of stuff. But now let's get straight into the news. Have to flag. When Aoife and I recorded this this morning, we both knew that everything was going to change in terms of the UK and Liz Truss and everything. We knew that what we were saying wasn't going to be entirely accurate by the time the podcast came out. And sure enough, Liz Truss has resigned in the last couple of hours. So just keep that in mind. I mean, what can we do? There's nothing we can do and the situation is what it is. Um, but we will obviously update you next week on what's happened in the fallout of Liz Truss and all the rest. But you'll get an idea of kind of where things have, have been and how we've gotten to this point during my chat with Aoife. And of course, we've got lots to talk about as well in Ireland and other locations around the world. Enjoy. Aoife Moore, political correspondent at the Sunday Times Ireland. Hello. Good morning. I am speaking to you on Thursday morning. Yes. So undoubtedly what we're the first thing we're about to talk about will all have changed yeah there's actually no way that will be in any way relevant by the time this comes out tomorrow morning <laughs> because Les Dross yeah I mean the way she might look at you <laughs> yeah Les Dross is going through it so as of time of talking we're talking on Thursday morning uh, I think around 8 or 9 Tory MPs have called on the Prime Minister to resign Wednesday night there was some of the most chaotic scenes that have ever been seen in the House of Commons, and that includes when Bernadette Evan punched someone in the face. Mm. Um, there was a vote on fracking. Um, the Tories, hilariously, you know, used to be, their policy used to be against fracking. You know, they were very into the English countryside, the National Trust looking at it. used to be a real conservative value. For people who don't know, mm -hmm. what is fracking? It's, in layman's terms, it's when you drill right down into the earth for gas um but it is really bad for the environment okay. and can cause you know there was like minor earthquakes in blackpool at one point because mm. of fracking so it's really bad for the environment yeah. really bad for the land all that so it used to be a tory policy that they were ba uh, against fracking now um you know that Les trust is is very right wing and we're looking obsessed with growth prime minister so she wanted to reverse that policy there was a vote in the Commons. Loads of Conservatives MPs are against this because, as I said, this goes against their policy. Um, they Loads of them wouldn't vote with the government and usually you would get in trouble, you would be suspended by the whip. In the middle of all this, the Chief Whip and her deputy said that they had resigned and walked out of the House of Commons. Um, other MPs, other Tory MPs, started grabbing their colleagues and forcing them through the lobbies to vote. Apparently, people were crying, people were swearing. It got like chaotic. Like a Labour MP last night, he's on the standards committee, stood up and said, "What I have witnessed, you know, you're supposed to be able to vote without fear or favour." And they were dragging people in by their shoulders. Um, let's trust, you know, this has been the most ridiculous couple of days. So Suella Braverman, who was the Home Secretary, who we talked about before, who wanted a, who had dreams of a plane full of people to Rwanda, mm. she was forced to resign one day after a huge row with Liz Truss. They had a massive row about student visas because obviously we know that Suella doesn't like people coming to her country, mm -hmm. even her own parents. And she wanted to reduce the number of student visas. Liz Truss said that they needed the student visas to promote growth and business. 
they had a blazing row. And then magically the next day, Ciela Braverman made a very technical um, mistake where she used a private email account to send a work email. And she was very unceremoniously sacked. That's very Hillary Clinton of her. Isn't it? Um, And she was sacked. Well, she resigned, but she was sacked. And she wrote a very blistering letter saying, you know, this has been chaotic. We can't pretend we haven't made mistakes. The country doesn't trust us. Everyone from the man in the street to the SNP to Labour are calling for a general election. And as of today, you know, the news I'm reading right now on the BBC says we're talking a matter of hours rather than days. I actually think the lettuce, the Daily Star, put up a a webcam (laughs) with an iceberg lettuce with googly eyes attached to it and said, can Liz just outstay the lettuce? And I think the lettuce might won. (laughs) (laughs) It's so ridiculous and delightful. Mm. Um, yeah, she's not having a good run of it. Um, now, hopefully, that's, that'll give you a bit of context. But by the time you listen to this, she's probably she may well be gone. gone. Yeah, we'll have more to talk about next week. Okay, let's move on uh, to Ireland, where this week there was a huge conversation about O'Connell Street after it was the subject of a prime time on RTE. Yeah, so O'Connell Street, um, for people not from Dublin, is obviously the main thoroughfare in Dublin. It's where the spire and all the statues are, and it's in front of the GPO. So it's a big tourist place because people obviously going to the GPO. If anyone's been to O'Connell Street in the last while, uh, it's not somewhere I frequent just because the shops there aren't very good. Um, they've got a good pennies, but apart from that, it's um, kind of become kind of a hub of antisocial behaviour. So there's a lot of kind of open drug dealing, um, young people fighting, hanging around. It's a bit intimidating at night. When you're there at night, the only kind of people that are around are people who feed homeless people. You know, the Muslim Sisters of Era do great mm. work there. Um, and that's our main thoroughfare for tourists is, you know, basically people really struggling with drug addiction. Um, young groups of young people walking around and people feeding the homeless. Mm. Um, so Primetime made a documentary about, you know, O'Connell Street and how bad it had gotten and the social behaviour, fighting, all of this. And this is something that... Dublin Central, I would say two Dublin Central TDs have been talking about for a very long time. You know, Nessa Hurrigan, formerly of the Greens, I'm not sure what her status is at the moment, but she's been saying, you know, for a long time, there needs to be uh, an initiative done about Dublin City Centre and O'Connell Street because it's not, O'Connell Street is not the problem. Mm -hmm. It's a failure of wraparound services. So it's a housing issue, a health issue, a justice issue. And... You know, Helen McEntee came out yesterday and she said, you know, we'll be building a full-time Garda station on O'Connell Street. We'll be putting more Garda on the street. there used to be. Yes. Yeah, there used to be. Until relatively Before recently, COVID, yeah. and there was I a Garda think, station on O'Connell Street. But then my issue, and a lot of people have made this point as well, is like this, surely, okay, if there is crime on O'Connell Street, then Garda, you're there to prevent and stop crime. However, O'Connell Street is already part of a community that has massive issues with Garda, serious lack of trust, and are seriously overplaced. The communities there are overplaced, and O'Connell Street is underplaced. Mm. Sticking more Garda isn't going to solve the problem because the problem's a health issue and it's a housing issue. Yeah. You know, there have been plans for I don't know how many years about a safe injection centre. The residents don't want a safe injection centre. So what we're having is people openly dealing drugs and taking drugs yeah. in the main thoroughfare of the city. There was a really disappointing comment made yesterday in the doll by a Wexford TD, a Fine Gael TD, Paul Kyo, who said, you know, he wouldn't send tourists there because it's full of, and this is his word, 
druggies. Um, I don't think that that language is reflective of what most people in Fine Gael or the government think of people with addiction problems. Um, Ireland has relatively missed out on, I just want to say, the kind of bullshit narrative about people with uh, addictions. So hopefully that doesn't take hold. But it is part of a wider issue. Now, the Taoiseach did say yesterday he'd be open um, to a debate on the issue. Mm. And he he recognised that there was a problem. Um, but other than the Yardie, I haven't heard anything else that might be happening. Like, and in fairness, you know, Deputy Paul Keogh, who made those comments, has said that it was maybe a poor choice of language, which isn't an apology, but it's an acknowledgement. Um, but I think I... I actually don't agree with you. I think that that kind of language is very common. Not I just meant not in the doll. Within Finnegale or yeah. in the doll. But, you know, I, th- I hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's very frustrating because, you know, people are so quick to write off and judge people with addiction problems, particularly the type of people with addiction problems that you see on O'Connell Street. Y- yeah. So, like, it's okay to have an addiction if you're in South County Dublin Mm -hmm. and you know you're keeping it to yourself and your family can afford to send you to the Rutland Mm Centre and you know that's that's one thing but this now this kind of Mm. visible heroin addiction or whatever now that's a bit that's unacceptable yeah I think you know we all know what he meant when he said druggies he he meant people in tracksuits who are very clearly struggling with addiction he did not mean Gaelic footballers out at the weekend getting a bag of coke dealer and he did not mean fellas who work in the FSC who go out on the bag all weekend who are also struggling with addiction and deserve as much care and attention as the people wearing tracksuits in O'Connell Street so I think I was on the late debate last night there was some very dehumanising language texted in by people about people with addiction problems Mm. and I would just urge people um, to have a bit more empathy um, because I don't think there's a family in Ireland that hasn't been touched by addiction No, well, like, you know, this conversation happened a few years ago. And at that time, I was on RT Radio 1 talking about it because I had written something about the fact that my mother was a homeless addict. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, she was born in South Dublin Mm -hmm. in a very nice house. She went to private school. Now, her family had their own struggles. But, Mm -hmm. like, you know, she and she still ended up a homeless addict on Mm -hmm. the streets of Chicago. Mm Mm-hmm. And like anyone can end up that way. And people mm-hmm. don't come to addiction by choice. Yeah. No one wakes up in the morning and is like, oh, I know I'm going to become addicted to heroin. Yeah. Like that's not what happens. Usually addiction is a symptom of deep and profound trauma. Mm-hmm. And if you are not someone who has had trauma, which has led them led you to that place, or if you have had trauma and still somehow you, it, it has affected you in a way that isn't addiction, like, you know, you should be great, not grateful for the trauma, but mm-hmm. grateful for the fact that, you know, there but for the grace of God, go yeah. I. Yeah. I'm not even religious, but I think that's a fair expression. Like, like, and, and to stand in judgment of people who are struggling and usually struggling because they have been profoundly let down by the state and by their family or mm-hmm. by life in general mm-hmm. is just so frustrating to me. And there are plenty of current and former addicts who serve in this all. And I think I would rather someone who has that life experience than someone who would cast people off and judge people. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think you're right. It, the the I don't think putting guards on O'Connell Street is going to solve the problem because you're not getting anywhere near the root of it. And at the root of it, if you're talking about you know the visible face of addiction, which is, I mean, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. 
it's everywhere in the city centre really but it's mm. quite concentrated there like you really need to get to the root of the lack of opportunities for treatment as you say the problems with housing and also the the major issues that actually lead to these problems in the first place which mm. are also rooted in housing and social kind of structures <sighs> drives me mad yeah I know we've been talking away for two days and I'm so depressed okay moving on um now I know nothing about this but Gordon's been banging on about it <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking and about. I know a lot of people are are interested in this kind of thing and I know that this is a big deal the monk Oh, yes, yes, this is huge. This is not stuff that I pay attention to, so I'm going to be yeah. a total ignoramus here. Um, my housemate is actually covering the case and she comes home every night and it's like a soap opera. I'm so excited to hear about it. Um, Jerry the Moncotch has been um, a well-known name in Dublin for a very long that time. That I do know. Yes. <laughs> so, Jerry... Does, the- he, does he drive... A bit, uh, do, do you have like a Hummer limousine? Yeah, he was a limousine driver. I think, yeah. he, was, I think he was outside a wedding I was at once. Ooh. Anyway, so yeah, very well known uh, Jerry the Moncotch. He is currently on trial at the Special Criminal Court for the murder of a man called David Byrne. If anybody remembers the Regency Hotel. Yeah. It was a boxing weigh-in in which someone was killed. Now, it came out this week that an ex-Sinn Féin counsellor, Jonathan Dowdall, has decided that he will go under witness protection and he will give evidence against Jerry Hutch. He said this week that Jerry Hutch, they met up, I believe, in a park, and Jerry Hutch told um, Dowdall that he had been involved in the Regency in one way or another. There Now it appears there have been recorded conversations Um that secretly recorded, sorry, conversations in which a potential ceasefire was discussed and they were talking, Senior Gardaí were talking about the Hutch criminal organisation, all this sort of stuff. Now, Jerry the Monk has pled not guilty. He denies any involvement. And this, it is a huge Garda security operation. Like they have defence forces, they have Gardaí on bikes, they have Gardaí in vans just to bring Jerry Hutch um, to and from uh, the court. This is going to go on, I believe, 12 weeks mm. because the Regency was such a big deal at the time. If anyone's seen the, the CCTV from the event, one of the gunmen was actually dressed up in drag. Um, he had a wig on and was dressed up as a woman and that's oh, yeah. how they got into the hotel. I remember that. Um, and Jonathan Dowdall, the ex-Gen Fane counsellor, is involved because he had booked... His father had booked a room in the hotel and he ended up giving, he claims that he gives Jerry Hutch the hotel room key. So that's why he's involved as well. Okay. So it's a big deal just even that they've managed to get... So Jerry the Monk, Monk. was living in the Costa del Sol right. for a long time and then was extradited back to Ireland. But it has been a very long time to try and link Jerry the Monk to this and he has always denied it He's and to there, yeah. any kind of criminal activity yes. right yeah because yeah. that's always denied thing. it yeah. yeah now i hate to do this but it is like love hate style like he's you know this is yeah. how these things go right mm-hmm. you have a boss who mm-hmm. doesn't actually have his physical hands on anything mm-hmm. and you know so it's very hard to get them mm-hmm. yeah and obviously jerry has denied all involvement yes well, we'll have to wait and see what happens in the court. Um, okay, now I wanted to talk about this briefly. Um, this is the situation with the Iranian climber. Mm-hmm. Um, so her name is, excuse me, her name is Elnaz Rakabi, mm-hmm. and she was competing at the, I want to get the name of this competition right. Um, she was competing at the, oh God damn it, Louise. 
What's it called? Why is it not Mine in this article? Mine doesn't have a name on it. It's crazy. It's anyway. just a climbing competition. Just a climbing competition. Yeah. So her name is El Naz Rakabi and she was competing at an international climbing competition. The Asian Championships. In South Korea. Mm-hmm. And she competed without a headscarf. And mm-hmm. this was seen to be an act of rebellion. Yes, because we know that in the aftermath of the death of a uh, woman in Iran by the morality police. Multiple women at this yeah, stage. Yeah. Uh, um, there have been protests across Iran. Um, the women wanting freedom, you know, they love their lives, they love them without the hijab if they don't want to wear them. So it was very much seen with her competing at this international competition with her hair shown that she was making a statement. Um, she returned to Iran. There was some concern about her safety at the time. She returned to Iran um, that... You know, the people were cheering her, but come back to your hometown. But she was very quick to tell the state broadcaster that she climbed without a hijab unintentionally. Mm. She said that she, she's 33. Um, she said that she had returned in full health and apologized to the people of Iran for the turbulence and worry I created. And she said that I struggle when she had a struggle putting on her shoes and preparing her gear and she forgot about her Hijab. Now, many people have speculated that she's saying this because she doesn't. There's a very real chance that she could be arrested and killed. Um, and I think there was some something about her brother as well that her brother had been visited by um, the morality police, and you know, so people are essentially saying that she was potentially under pressure. Yeah, and for 48 hours after she competed, they couldn't find her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their friends and family were saying, listen, we can't get in touch with her. So it's an incredibly scary time to be any woman in Iran mm-hmm. at the minute, especially one who, if you don't want to wear hijab or you want to protest or make a statement, mm-hmm. you know. So she's back. She said that she, um, you know, she's fine. She did it uh, unintentionally, but... There definitely is a tide turning, I think. I have never seen this much uh, coverage for uh, protests led by women and around a woman's issue. I know there's a wider issue in Iran, but this definitely is a woman's grassroots movement. I don't think I've ever seen bravery mm. like what the women of Iran are doing, mm-hmm. can continue to do. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely incredible. Um, and we will continue to talk about it. Before I let you go, I mean, we have to talk about Leo and his meal prep couldn't possibly let the week go by without acknowledging it this <laughs> this is why i wouldn't be a politician well there's a million reasons why i wouldn't be a politician <laughs> but like you can't you, leo Varadkar took a photo of the inside of his fridge in which his partner matt had prepped their meals for the week the first thing i noticed nothing had a lot it was giving me the fear it was also like let's be honest everybody's seen the photo at this stage but like the only thing that was in the fridge, basically, was just, like, tray, plastic tray after plastic tray, all identical sizes. I couldn't make out what it was. No lids. I was like, where are the condiments? Like, where are their sauces? I, I couldn't make out what it was. No, nobody could make I out what it was. it was pancakes was in one of them, I think. But, yeah, so, um, obviously, people had thoughts. You know, Emer McSilent, your friend. Emer McLeisett. sorry. A friend of yours, um... You know, she loves what she calls Leo's grandma aesthetic. Um, and that's the thing. It's like, it's just what, it's not, it's not a nice photo. It didn't yeah. make the food look appealing. Like most of the time people are like, look at my like, delicious food. I feel sorry for him in a way because it's just, let the man love, let him eat his depressing Oliver Twist food. Like, 
But anyway, the F the FSAI, which is the Food Safety Authority of Ireland, weighed in on the picture. Um, so there were 16 tubs in the fridge containing a variety of pre-cooked meals. And they said, um, lads. <laughs> they said, storing... Storing batch cooked or leftover food safely will reduce the risk of possible food poisoning. By safely, we mean that the food should be stored in the fridge at between 0.5 degrees or minus 18 degrees within two hours of cooking and used within two to three days. So, And they also said put a lid on it. Put a lid on it, yes. Yeah. So they said that they, um, yeah, they were, uh, I don't know if concerns is the right word, but there should have been a lid. Um, so people just talked about, I think, it was a slow news day. We had nothing else going on. People just love, love to slag off the Avera car. Let's be honest. Like, they people do. Love. Yeah, they and do. every time he posts, and in fairness, like he should have learned a lesson at this stage. Yeah. Every time he, try, he posts something where he tries to be like man of the people, it always goes wrong for him. God always. People him. are like, look at his furniture. His, I mean, look yeah. at his grim aesthetic. Remember his little Battenberg birthday cake. <laughs> Oh. But like he can't, you know. If I was him, I, I just, quite enjoy just, that. He I just, just wouldn't do it. I quite enjoy that. He must know he's going to get grief yes. for it, and he just does it anyway. I, know, I think I there's do. something admirable about, about that. But yeah. yeah. Um, also, then it's just started the worst debate on Twitter. Just people taking everything too seriously oh, and I like hate that. Just have a laugh. Like talking about like the benefits of meal prep. Just go oh. out and live your life, you saddles. But I also, I enjoyed that Leo then returned to Instagram to post. Um, he said, yeah, Matt was annoyed. I'm in trouble with Matt for not doing justice to his meal prep efforts with my photo. For everyone asking, yes, we do use lids and have vegetables. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> And then there's a new photo and the food, I have to say, looks delicious. Of there's course. a lovely salad there, like a bean <laughs> salad. All of the containers have nice brightly colored lids. It looks very different. But it's very funny because a friend of mine told me he was like, his working theory is that it wasn't finished and that yes, Leo shoved I it all in the that. fridge to take a photo. And yeah. I was like, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that like Matt wasn't actually done, but Leo shoved yeah. it all in the fridge so he could take the Instagram. Poor We've all Matt. done it. We've all done it for the content. Poor Matt. Poor Matt. Poor Leo. Poor Leo. everyone. Poor everybody. Poor <laughs> I will say it gave me a great laugh. Um, okay, well, Aoife, you're off the hook. And I'm undoubtedly next week we will be discussing what is going on in the House of Commons. Yeah, God knows. Yeah. We might have an election by the time. Very exciting. Again. In the meantime, have a great one. Aoife Moore, political correspondent at the Sunday Times Ireland. Thank you. Juliana Scheel is an artist, model and advocate who has chosen to share her experience of an abusive relationship so that other women in similar situations can spot signs of trouble ahead and feel more supported. She has worked with Women's Aid on their Two Into You campaign and recently started her own podcast, giving women space to share their experiences of abuse. As you might imagine, our conversation does cover abusive behavior within a romantic relationship. So if that's not something you feel comfortable listening to today, no problem. Skip forward about 24 minutes. Juliana, thank you so much for having a chat to me uh, for the podcast. Uh, the first time that we spoke, we were speaking on the radio about um, the fact that you had chosen to use your voice to talk about your experience of being in an abusive relationship. Um, and I think it's so important that we hear these stories because sometimes 
understandably, it can be really difficult for women to speak out about these experiences. But, you know, we were just talking about the fact I was just at the Goss.ie uh, Women of the Year Awards yesterday and um, a representative from Women's Aid gave a really powerful speech. And, you know, every time I hear that statistic that one in four women will be in an abusive relationship, my mind is just blown because I'm just mm. lucky enough that it hasn't happened to me. I haven't been one in four yet. Um, so... I, I wanted to talk to you because you've decided to to make a podcast, which I think is a brilliant idea. But let's let's start at the start. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about your experience and how you came to decide to to use your voice. So the last time I spoke to you, yeah, it was on the radio. And I remember the interview I'd written down kind of what I wanted to say, mm. but I was sure not to include any kind of like, you know, details that might be upsetting in case it's like thrust upon someone. Mm-hmm. Um and that's kind of, I think, the way most interviews that I've done kind of go. So whether it's radio or newspaper, you kind of have to filter it in a way that it's not going to be like too much. Mm-hmm. And I've had I've had stuff that I've said being removed from mm. like important stuff. I've had stuff that I've said um, twisted, I think by accident. Mm. Um, another girl that did a video had um, a tabloid made an article about her and mm. just completely made stuff up. We don't know if it was clickbait or mm. it, it was removed, but it was just outrageous. So like, no matter what you say, like, I don't know if you're going to get across what you really want to say, mm. but um, I know that that video that I made, the original one for the Instagram for the Women's Aid fundraiser was um, attracted a lot of people to my social media, which mm. is great. And all these women, I was getting loads of messages being like, I've been through this too. Um, and then kind of after that died down, mm. I was still getting messages, but I was like, I don't know what I can do next. Yeah. Like to ha- to kind of help more, or do more. And I was doing kind of some things for Women's Aid and spoke at their seminar and stuff and just decided to do the podcast because of the fact that we were constantly having to filter what we were saying. Yeah. And, and I, obviously I would, you would have to filter, as you said, because you don't want to, you know, maybe trigger or upset people, but also, you know, there are legal ramifications like, you know, any kind of broadcaster or publisher has to consider very carefully what it broadcasts and publish because libel laws in Ireland are so severe mm. that I know from the other side, it can be really difficult. Um, yeah. and, and it can be very frustrating, you know, for someone like me because, you know, I don't want to edit what people what people say, yeah. but sometimes you have to. Whereas obviously if you're, if you're making a decision to take control of yourself, you don't have to worry about that or you are the only person who has to worry about that, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So for people who don't know your story, maybe whatever you're comfortable sharing, yeah. um, maybe if you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I'm 25 now. When I was 18 in first year college, met a guy, kind of knew him from Tinder. Like he was from the same area-ish as me. Mm. Went out for two years. Um, really abusive relationship. It was kind of like started, kind of the classic story started with... Um, normal red flags jealousy really bad temper very possessive which at that time like as an 18 year old girl I was like oh my god he loves me mm-hmm. he's obsessed with me like yeah. it's always the way it works out and then like it's weird because people are always like oh it must have been terrifying like mine was quite physical and it was everything else as well mm. but um and I hope I don't upset anyone by saying this but uh I was no stranger to like getting hit because not hit but I grew up with four siblings in an Irish yeah. family like we beat the shit out of each other yeah. and like I don't mean in like a malicious way but you know the way children yeah, just of course I was no used to like getting a smack um or I was no stranger to getting a smack so I think 
like people always ask me like that must have been the scariest part that must have been the worst part and the part that sticks with you the most yeah but like it's actually not at all like it's the emotional stuff more than anything yeah. like when I I did it like six sessions of therapy um for free through my mom's work and it was all about emotional it was more about like my relationship with myself that had been damaged more than my relationship with like men or people or like romantic ways or sexual mm. ways like they were all pretty messed up too but it was definitely the emotional stuff um I've definitely had sorry I keep talking about the podcast when you've asked me about my story it's okay but I've, I've had people message me being like um because I put up kind of an open call just being like if anyone wants to record their story like that's what it's yeah. for anyone at all I've had people being like hey like I was in a really emotional emotionally abusive relationship I don't know if that's what you're looking for like they see their own relationship as like not as bad because it wasn't physical yeah I, I just think that's really sad and I've had so many women listen to um the non-physical stories and be like well that happened to me and they're now realizing that oh my god I was in an abusive relationship and yeah. they're kind of starting to realize that it has it's done so much damage but I'm only realizing now because I've heard someone else articulate it yeah that it's damage it's done and they're kind of trying to understand that's why it's so important you know to Mm. to tell and share stories because you know sometimes you know we can be so hard on ourselves that we don't take ourselves seriously or take our feelings Mm. seriously and you you said there that it was your relationship with yourself what what do you mean by that like I think when I came in like when I was in that relationship I stopped wearing makeup and I'm a makeup gal. Yeah. And I stopped. I wore like really like baggy clothes and I just didn't want anyone to look at me, I think. And I hadn't realized that. I thought that it was just like my style was changing or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then when I came out of the relationship, my mom said to me one day randomly, probably about like a year after, she was like, oh, like you're wearing like clothes that you used to wear and like you're wearing like your fashiony clothes and like tight clothes and you're wearing makeup again. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so sad. I didn't even realize that I was like trying to make myself smaller. Yeah, so and I, is that because like a, you were feeling... It's, like a, it's a self-esteem thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because he'd make me feel so bad. If he saw me, like, looking good or feeling good, that was a threat to his control on me. Yeah. So he would belittle me, and then I'd feel stupid for wearing makeup or for, like, dressing kind of, like, how I wanted to dress. Yeah. And I think it's a self-esteem, self-esteem thing. So I yeah. think you start trying to hide yourself a bit. Yeah. So it was definitely, like, my self-esteem was so low coming out of that relationship Mm. like I can remember it still and it definitely still affects me sometimes definitely like it's obviously got a lot better over the last like five years or whatever how long it's been but um that's probably the biggest effect in my head because I also thought it was going to be my relationship with men or like when I get in a new when I get a new boyfriend or girlfriend like it would be it would affect that but it actually hasn't too much because I've I've definitely like had moments where I'm like like but I can catch myself I can like kind of explain it to myself logically in my head. So it's not as bad. Now, if I got with someone who was kind of a dickhead again, Mm. it definitely would have been triggered a lot more. But like, Mm. I think you're kind of going to stay away from those people most of the time. Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose that's good that that you feel like you can stay away. But, you know, a lot of people can be so damaged that they find themselves in abusive relationships repeatedly, don't they? Yeah, because they don't realize that it, they've been abused. Mm. So they're just like, oh, that's just how like a relationship is. Yeah. That's normal. Mm. And how did you kind of, I mean, I, I suppose I think a lot of people are always interested to hear how people get out of these relationships because I know that mm. they can be really difficult to get out of. Um, yeah. You know, was that hard for you? Yeah, I think the statistic is like seven times. It takes an average of seven times of breaking up to actually leave. Mm. Um. Most people that I've heard, it happens when there's a break, um, 
like when you're not with them like mm. they go away or the person goes away or they're apart for like even two weeks because then it, you're just kind of like coming through and you're like oh my god yeah and you realize and that's what happened to me we had been away traveling and then I went away with my family kind of like a last minute thing yeah and I was it was only two weeks it was in America and I was just like oh my god like what am I doing yeah and it just kind of hit me and then I remember I had to break up with him over text because I couldn't in person I knew what was going to happen it was just yeah. going to be like the, the him convincing me and then I got back to my house and he was at my house by himself like my family wasn't there he had let himself in because he knew the key to the code the the little key box yeah um, and he was in my house like he'd broken into my house after I broke up with him and then I got him out eventually and it was really scary and I was yeah. like this man like I, at that point I kind of realized being like oh my god like this is actually like I'm afraid now yeah because I was never really afraid before like mm. I think when stuff got physical it wasn't I just kind of wanted it to end and it was more kind of like annoying than than scary do you know what I mean yeah but, so then after we we broke up I got him out that day blocked him on everything but he was kind of in the same groups in college as me so I yeah. saw him a lot like and I hadn't told anyone but uh you hadn't told anyone about what had been happening in the relationship or I hadn't told anyone anything yeah. wow yeah, sorry, so yeah, you were just totally alone with it but like I feel like at that point I still wasn't like upset by it like I don't remember being like oh my god I'm so traumatized it wasn't until like months months after yeah after we'd broken up that it kind of I was like oh no yeah oh that was not good <laughs> oh god but he was logged into my my social medias um for like two weeks I think after we broke up so he was um like I changed my Facebook password I remember changing it so many times but you know that's why sometimes it just glitches and I yeah. could see the location of where the other device was and it was where he lived and I was like it's I can blatantly see that you're on my social medias yeah but he would if I made plans with my friends to go out he would text me being like see you at blah 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 tonight like and that was so I literally felt like I couldn't leave my house for a while yeah. um but then I got him off in the end God, but like that's thing you were so young as well I know I was so young but yeah, I still I still didn't tell anyone. Even like six months later, it kind of started to hit me because I, I felt just really shit. And I was just like, oh, it's probably just because I'm stressed from studying or yeah. like I still couldn't connect it, even though he was kind of out of my life at this point ish. I saw him sometimes, hmm. but I, I didn't have any bad feelings about him. I think actually, even when we broke up, some part of me was like, we might get back together. He might hmm. kind of get better in his head. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. might. And I feel like some people still you still get that feeling of like maybe they will get better yeah even in, even though you know it's bad yeah and that's so hard and so hard for you I mean like is I, I I like I feel so sad for you that you were alone with that for so long but as you say you weren't even feeling it properly so yeah like I didn't even realize yeah what I was feeling. but I think that's also like being that age as well yeah and everyone is like like experiencing some kind of anxiety and some kind of yeah. depression that I was just kind of like, oh, like this is normal. Mm. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to kind of carry on and push through, like, like what everyone else does in college. Yeah. I, like, yeah. Mm. And so then, when did you? When did I mean? I suppose there's, there's two. I was going to say, when did you decide to talk about it? But I mean, there's first, when did you decide to tell anyone? Um, and and then second, when did you decide that you needed to share your story publicly? First person I told was one of my best friends and I know she won't mind me telling me this story. We were like, we'd just been at my birthday party and we were sitting out um, on a step yeah, and um, like about to go to bed. And I, I can't remember why I said it, but I just said it. Mm. And then she looked at me and she was like, oh my God, me too. <gasps> and it was like, we were like, what? And no one else knew it was just us. Um, so I don't think we, we were like, okay, let's both 
promise to not get back with them. I think she was still with her boyfriend at the time. Yeah. She was actually another one of the girls that made the video. Yeah. But um, like, and then I think that when I went public, I think it was because I had told loads of people kind of in my outer, outer circle in like Dublin and Ireland. Yeah. And loads of people, loads of women were messaging me being like, oh, yeah, I believe you, I believe you. Loads of people, no one actually said to me, I don't believe you, but I could still see people were like following on Instagram, hanging out with them. People that had said to me being like, I believe you. And I was like, okay, very like questionable behavior. If you really believe me, like fair enough, but people still wanted to hang out with them. But I think it was the posting it where I could see it. I was kind of like strange. Yeah. So um, that's when I decided to make the video. And also we were doing a fundraiser. We were doing the walk yeah. or the run for women's out. So we just made the videos and then the video, I think a lot more people, believed me properly after the video and mm. it's like it's a pity that I had to put a, a video of myself crying on the internet for people to believe me yeah but I mean sometimes that's kind of what it takes and um, but I, it, sorry, so, well I was just gonna say that was were you scared like was it scary telling people because you know I was terrified yeah. that was the scariest thing I've probably ever done still in my life yeah um, like I had my friends and they believed me but it was scary yeah it was terrifying it was terrifying I was I was more afraid of like people not believing me and then people looking at me and being like they broke up so she's just trying to like you know get one over on him kind of thing I think that's what a lot of people still believe especially if someone accuses a man of doing something yeah they'll be like oh like she's just bitter whatever whatever yeah the crazy girl kind of trope yeah Yeah. and what about your family how did your parents react my parents were like absolutely shocked because I like I know a lot of people and like they're going out with someone and they're they're kind of a brick and like you know you can you're not yeah, you like, like that them. Surpri- you're not yeah. that surprised. Like you're like, oh my god, but you're not like okay, you know, some people you'd be more surprised and all yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Like for my parents, this was like really charismatic person. He had like a scholarship in Trinity, like he was like my mom immediately just said butter wouldn't melt. Like literally yeah. she was just shocked. Um and that was kind of it. They were just like, oh, my God. But also, like, my parents, like, they're really good now. But I, when I first told them, they had no idea what to say. They yeah. had no idea how to come for me because they were just like, oh, my God. Yeah. And I think most people, most people just kind of listen. Um, and that's kind of it. But, like, sure, what else can you say? Like, if you haven't yeah. been through it, you know what I mean? There's not much that you can say. Just kind of be supportive and nice in the way you know how. Yeah. So I think my parents, my parents and my family definitely um, – they were just shocked and were just kind of like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. My parents, yeah. I'm sure it must have been, you know, really hard for them as well. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I think if I found out that someone was hurting my child in any capacity, I would be devastated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to process that you had gone through it all by yourself, like that's, you know, another really difficult thing. Um, yeah. And and did you hear from him? Um. Yeah, so after that video was posted, he actually sent my mom a message on WhatsApp being like, can you get Juliana to take down that post because I might get fired from work. <laughs> and then my mom, my mom didn't know how to block him and she was like freaking out and just obviously didn't reply. But that was the only, that was the only time I heard from him. Yeah. And I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him since. Yeah, or heard good. Anything. good. I was kind of afraid of like getting sued because like I think that a lot of people are afraid of getting sued when they come public like that. Yeah. But as far as I understand, I'm protected from that because I didn't use his name and nothing is incorrect. Well, I was going to say, if you're telling the truth, mm. um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it is a he said, she said, I mean, literally a he said, she mm. said kind of vibe. But, yeah. you know, if you're telling the truth, I'm sure you have some proof mm. of what went on. So, yeah, like the thing is, 
when I like I do have proof I have like one well I have one picture of like strangle marks around my neck from when I was away with yeah. him and I went to the guards um I went to the guards twice my local guard station and I like this is before I told anyone actually I went with my mom and I had it like typed out on a word document because I I knew I wouldn't be able to like yeah like explain with my voice what happened and I just like knocked on the window and it was like a really young guard <laughs> I just handed him a piece of paper and burst out crying and of then me and my mom were just like okay bye <laughs> but they they were like we'll ring you like we'll ring you and you can make an official statement and then they didn't ring me and I was like okay I'm just gonna ring them I waited like a month and I was like I'm just gonna ring mm-hmm. and a band guard answered the phone and she was I was like oh hey like I left a word document explaining whatever mm-hmm. like I want to make a statement mm-hmm. and she was like look like I I'm just kind of telling you this for your own benefit like I don't think it's worth your time because it's probably not going to go anywhere and it's going to be extremely upsetting for you to try to press charges against someone and at that time I was just kind of like oh yeah you're probably right like obviously like she's just giving me advice yeah but like I had um like I there's actually like I have quite quite a bit of evidence like I don't have she said if you don't have a doctor cert proving like um visible bruises or broken bones then you can't um like it's you're not really going to hold up in court I don't know I can't remember if that was before or after coercion was illegal in Ireland yeah I was gonna say yeah I think it was it must have been before right yeah yeah well I mean one way or the other that's it's hard like because there's no doubt that going through the legal system can be difficult but it's I mean I find that very upsetting to hear that a guard was discouraging of you you know being so brave and going to them in the first place like that's Like, God, women just deserve so much better than that, you know, better support. And again, like that that being said, I did meet a vanguard um, a couple of months ago and she works in the specialist unit um, for domestic violence. I think it's in Rat Mines. Yeah. But she was like shocked and she was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Like that was obviously just that one guard. Yeah, well, this is the thing. There's there's that's the problem, though, isn't it? That like there Mm -hmm. it's inconsistent and it does literally depend on who you get on the day. Um, So you know, really there needs to be better training in that area, in my opinion. And I've heard it time and time again from women who've, you know, and and men who've had experiences like that where they've been kind of dismissed. Um, So, you know, I think it's really, as I said at the start, I think it's so important that we hear these stories and that we hear about these experiences because if it is one in four women or one, yeah, one in four women and we know it is, then, you know, there will definitely be women who are listening to this podcast now who have been in an abusive relationship, maybe are now in an abusive relationship or maybe are just now recognizing, as you said, you know, you've heard from people mm-hmm. that they have been in, a, in an abusive relationship. So I'm, you know, I'm really glad that you decided to make the podcast. So there's three episodes so far. Um, and yeah. it's called the Elastic Bands Podcast. What's the name about? Just about resilience. Yeah, mm. I love it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, what would you say to anyone who's considering listening? Well, I think what, what I will say first is that some people that haven't experienced abusive relationship might be like, why would someone want to listen to like, you know, 10 episodes of like kind of the same story from because some of them are anonymous, Mm. some of them aren't. And I will say that the reason I started the podcast is because when I was starting to realize what I'd been through, I went like hunting on the internet to listen to other people's stories. And there was there was no Irish people. There was one from Nora Casey, which I know I mentioned that to you before. It was on Dragon's Den and she did a TED talk talking about her abusive ex-husband and I I must have watched that video over 10 times in total like I was just like oh my god and to see someone that was like so successful and like had had an amazing marriage afterwards like I just found so much comfort in hearing 
other people's stories which might like I know that just sounds so strange because it doesn't to me it doesn't to me because honestly I think it's one of the most powerful things you you, we do is like when you recognize yourself or your experience in someone else and Mm -hmm. it makes you feel less alone and as you say especially someone like Nora who's like had such a successful life um, and is such a you know an incredible woman and all she's achieved like of course that would be inspiring to you yeah I think it makes total sense it makes total Mm -hmm. sense and I think that's why I so admire it Julian because it's a very generous thing to do you know it's very generous to kind of make the effort and use your time and not only share your own story but empower other people to do it because you know it's this is not like a vanity podcast this is something that you're Mm. doing to be useful for other people who have this experience and it makes total sense to me that people would find um comfort and you know empowerment in hearing other people's stories definitely because you're doing really well now right yeah, I mean, like, I, I am, like, I love, like, I think the podcast for me is really, obviously, it's really empowering for me, but it's also quite hard, like, mentally yeah, of to course. produce, um, but I think it's also, in a way, healing, like, I, like, they're all done over Zoom, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know most of the people, but, like, I'm, like, hysterically crying on Zoom, and they're hysterically crying on Zoom, yeah. and, like, it's, but it's kind of nice, and, like, I'm, like, I'm actually making, like, genuine friends as well that are, yeah. like, have been to the same thing as me, and, like, we're, it's all, it's kind of like a really nice community thing mm-hmm. I just think there isn't a big community of people that you know are wanting to speak up and it's not about like putting your name and face out there because I know people can't always do that for safety reasons or yeah. for like their job and um, but to be able to just like I love following people on Instagram or whatever social media that have been through what I've been through and I see them doing anything positive I'm like yes get it like I'm so happy for you yeah. and I like it's like a hope for me yeah and, like I think people kind of feel like that about me as well like they can like see that like she went through what I went through but now she's doing this or now they're doing that and like yeah you know it doesn't have to like it doesn't have to define you at all like it's not going to change I thought that when I put that video up my life would be kind, I'd be like that girl who did that weird video like forever and I'm just not like it's not led me down that path at all yeah. but like it's the same for everyone like it doesn't define you yeah. and I think that's like a really important thing is when people go public like people will lo- people will love you more than like no one's gonna be like you're a freak for doing that or like you're weird or like no. do you know what I mean but like I like I did I have got some messages from people mostly like uh men just being like where the podcast for the men and I'm like come on yeah go and make it back like yeah Off like, you go. You <laughs> and, like I'd, I'd actually happily have men on the podcast but yeah. like, I think it's probably a lot harder for men uh well I don't know it's harder in a different way for men to share their story like that publicly and I don't think I don't think a lot of men would class an abusive hetero relationship as abusive because they are the man and she is the woman it's kind of a crisis of masculinity uh yeah 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 yeah. so they wouldn't they wouldn't be seeking the help um like as readily as women yeah yeah well I am so glad you I think I've made that very clear I'm so glad that you've decided to do this I really really admire you Juliana and um the way you've chosen to to kind of go about your 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 life and the way that you've chosen to share your story and to be so generous as to give other people a platform as well the podcast is called Elastic Bands Juliana Shiel thank you so much thank you so much Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? 
Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now, imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Brand Sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Brand Sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order with code BUTTERY. So head to bollandbranch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is a bit of a bumper entertainment slot, but that's because there was so much to talk about and none of the stories were straightforward. There has been so much going back and forth this week between James Corden getting kicked out of restaurants, Graham Norton's comments being taken completely in an insane way, in my opinion. Um, Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde and the salad dressing and the nanny, like there's so much to get through and it was loads of fun, I have to say, with Kean Sullivan and James O'Hagan. I am so delighted to be joined once again by Kean Sullivan and James O'Hagan, who of course are podcasters extraordinaire and uh, we just, can I share your exciting news? Oh yeah, yes. absolutely. Go They're for going it. to UK DragCon okay. because of Woo! course they have Sissy That Pod, <laughs> which is a, a drag race recap podcast, which I am a huge fan of. Um, and that's going to be so exciting. It's going to be, will be. We're going international. Yeah. <laughs> um, and last time we spoke, you were just about to do your your shows in the Dublin Fringe. I, I'm so sad I didn't make it in. I heard nothing but rave reviews. Yeah, we're really happy with how uh, it went. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, and just throughout the, the couple of days the show was on, just the momentum was building and you could feel the energy in the room and every night as we were sort of standing ready to go out the like different performers were commenting about the audience is so up for it yeah and the audience really were up for it and you'll have to do it again i think so and some of them were commenting that there's actually nowhere that comedy and drag meets and it's such an interesting format that way which i didn't even think yeah no i thought that myself because from seeing people's kind of comments and seeing little snippets of what you guys were doing i thought that myself there's nothing like that Mm -hmm. at at the moment and also because you were bringing together people from like various backgrounds and various walks of life like your lineup every night was amazing you know yeah it was so diverse like that was the amazing thing about it you had like sort of straight men comedians Mm. right over to like super alternative yeah like gender queer performers yeah it was yeah it was really exciting every night to see who was going to show up and who was going to you know who was going to show up and who was going to be the person that was going to bring up the Charlie Hockey sex tunnels that yeah. evening <laughs> so yeah, hopefully Clankety Clank will be back soon yeah, yeah I, think it, I think it has to be because I didn't get to go and <laughs> I'm really mad about it okay we've got so much to talk about this week um, I'm actually really excited to get stuck in and I suppose let's start with this is certainly one of the stories that's been talked about most in my personal group chats and this is the drama over Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde's former nanny. Oh my God. I mean, this gruntled former nanny decides to blow up this whole thing. We thought we'd put it to sleep, hadn't yeah. we? Yeah. we thought, and this disgruntled former nanny has apparently been on an 18 month long campaign against him, but recently has done an interview with the Daily Mail, which interestingly is no longer up. The, the actual original article is no longer up there. Mm. But she 
revealed a couple of tidbits about like what the dissolution or the disintegration of their relationship had been like. She questions the timeline that had been accepted. So she said that actually perhaps slightly earlier, uh, Olivia had started seeing um, seeing Harry Styles and that this became, this all was revealed because Jason Sudeikis had access to an old Apple Watch that messages were coming through to. And most fascinating of all was the family special salad sauce. <laughs> So much was made of this special dressing on Olivia. So Olivia was making the salad at home with her trademark special dressing and then was bringing it to set for Harry. Is that how it was working? I think that's that's (laughs) what she was saying. Allegedly a drunken Jason Sudeikis then lay under the car to stop her leaving. So I'm like, is this in the morning? I know. And they said like, I, I have to say, I find sometimes these like salacious, like that stuff. I'm kind of okay with but there was a bit in it where she said that Jason Sudeikis was like crying drunk and crying yeah. like mm-hmm. trying to confront Olivia Wilde in the kitchen while she's making this salad and like it's lol but it's also like oh I just I shouldn't know this like yeah. I actually don't want to know this do you believe the nanny? I don't believe everything mm-hmm. but I believe some I what, believe most uh, of it a lot of it is so mundane it sounds true what, yeah and so specific yeah. yeah what I was thinking it, it sort of says two things first of all that like cohabiting while your relationship is falling apart must be absolute hell mm. that like even if none of these particular details are true the the emotional trauma it would take on you to be living with your partner while they were very high profile starting a new relationship all of that would be absolute hell and yeah. like everything sounds really plausible for a relationship breaking down like the fact that someone would be crying so much the fact that sort of you know tiny little thing get clung on to like you know I can absolutely imagine that sort of you know jealous scorned lover finding this Apple watch that gives an insight into what their partner is and the jealousy taking over you can absolutely see it all whether or not it, it, it happened in the way the nanny laid out is, is is up for debate and whether or not it should have been shared I would say it absolutely shouldn't have it's so, yeah. so personal and like all mm. it can do is re-traumatise and make these people have been through an awful lot just yeah. somebody think of the children somebody think of the children <laughs> but you know even though but actually you know <laughs> yeah the timeline you know Although she draws into question, no one knows the relationship between those two at the time. Like maybe they had like basically split and everything but name. Maybe she was kind of out the door. Let's stick together for the kids. But like the romantic part of this relationship was off. So like it could be full on mm-hmm. cheating. It could just be, you know, from the outside, it looks like cheating, but it wasn't. Or he was, she was ready to move on. He wasn't. So mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of conjecture, I suppose. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think it does all come down to the question of whether or not these kind of details should be shared yeah. publicly. And no, they shouldn't. And, you know, I can't be, I I think there's, there's some question of them owing her money, the nanny and things like that. And, you know, even if all of that is true and Mm. she was mistreated and she wasn't paid appropriately, I still think going to the Daily Mail to talk about details is particularly yeah. nasty when you do consider the fact that she was caring for the children who were at the center of this and you assume mm. that like you you assume she will have had a, a loving and, and solid relationship with the children yeah. so that she would have care for them and i do think that if there was issues where she was mistreated by the couple and if, if she was like let go and not paid sort of a severance package or whatever it was that, 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 that she's disputing it's like lead with that story there's an audience for that story yeah that's your story to tell 
you, you know, all, all of the ins and outs of, of sort of what you've witnessed being a fly in the wall to the breakdown of a relationship mm. isn't really anyone else's. It was interesting that they released a joint statement yes. to deny it, though, because they're not a couple who really has been doing anything jointly. Together, yeah, no, I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. Okay, staying with uh, salacious details about celebrities, here's a story that I'm delighted was shared. Uh, James Corden versus Balthazar Restaurant or the owner of Balthazar Restaurant, Keith McNally. Yeah. I love this. Keith oh. McNally, the restaurateur who invented downtown, allegedly, uh, posts on Instagram that uh, James Corden is a hugely gifted comedian, but a tiny cretin of a man. What a well, lie. he's got a half of that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what a, I'm going to use that expression more of. What a tiny cretin, cretin of a man. Of a man. Yeah. Uh, so he goes on to highlight two incidents. The first was when James allegedly found a hair in his meal and barked at the staff for a free round of drinks after finishing the whole meal. Um, that was just was incredibly rude. And the second time he had ordered an egg yolk omelette. Do we know what that is? I found this very yeah. strange. I'm not familiar with this concept. I just had always assumed, I actually had recently heard about an egg yolk omelette because I was in New York yeah. and I saw it on a menu and I was like, what? And then I was like, oh, it must be just... Must mean like a regular omelette, like an omelette that includes egg yolks. Because you've egg white omelette. Yes. yes. Okay. But based on this story, it seems like it's something entirely different. Yeah, because apparently James found some egg, which I assume means the white of the egg in the yolk and sent it back. Mm. And they were, oh, apologetic. And they brought him a new one, but they mistook the side salad he'd ordered for fries. And this uh, started a but tirade. I, this, was all, this was his wife's order as well. Like this was him like barking orders and shouting about his wife's egg yolk omelette having too much or having a trace of egg white in it and then them bringing a home fries instead of it. Like it all is, it, it, it all is so bizarre. I, I mean, an egg yolk omelette Baby sounds delicious. Does it sound delicious? Like I a mean, huge egg yolk. I do love yolks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love yolks? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think the thing about this is, you know, Keith McNally, I did kind of a deep dive on his Instagram after he did the original post and he regularly posts his kind of manager's report from the night in the restaurant yeah. and usually it's just like we mm. did this many covers and this many meals were sent back and it was all you know so and so did really well blah 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 and he he had taken these stories directly from those reports from people yeah. and he said they were just two of the stories and he said I think that he was the most abusive to staff customer grammar is messed up yeah. but whatever he was the worst customer basically that they'd had in 25 years and that he didn't take it lightly to kind of name and shame um, and I believe that yeah it is interesting though, because if you look back over the storied career of James Corden like he is having having an Ellen moment at the moment the mask is slipping I mean and like I was well there's been also there's that and I won't go into it here for fear of libel but there's that story about the airplane um, if you if you want to know the story google pop bitch James Corden airplane Okay. And you'll get the story. There has been a story going around for a good 10 years about him being horrible <laughs> on an airplane. Okay. Um, mainly to his wife, but like. Oh, I've uh, heard this this yeah. story. Yes, I yeah. did. Allegedly. I did. I alleged. Yes, I allegedly yeah. heard this story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but allegedly. There, but it's been basically for years, there's been okay. this kind of rumor that like James Corden, not a nice guy. Yeah. But I, like, I mean, right. recently it came out that he, there, there, there was some kind of an embarrassing moment on his show where he wasn't able to name a single member of his like 
camera crew <gasps> and even if you go back like I, I was doing a bit of a deep dive thinking about this because I was trying to figure out like where did this like hate for him come from where did mm. this sort of like you know this sort of this just default position that he is a nasty piece of work come from and like going right back to the very early days of Gavin and Stacey when he accepted like his first award at, at the at the BAFTAs for it like instead of like having a gracious acceptance he went and sort of you know barked at the audience about the fact that like he deserved to have been nominated in more categories and it should have been nominated for other things and it yeah and it was like and it's like okay the mask slips and obviously he's a person who has a very distinct hierarchy in his mind of like Mm -hmm. these are the people who are important these are the people who are not important so it doesn't Mm -hmm. surprise me one bit that he would have picked up the phone to Keith McNally in in Balthazar restaurant oh please forgive me Keith please forgive me I want to know really whether Keith is going to like, what how does that apology translate back to the staff yes. who were yeah, who were actually impacted by the treatment of James and was it an apology or was it a lawsuit that he threatened I don't know we don't know what's going on in the phone call but Keith was very much like oh it's all forgiven now James and I don't know well, I I don't think it was a lawsuit because I think it's true. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure that he could have brought a lawsuit yeah. if there were members of staff who were able to vouch for it. And, you know, yeah. but I think, you know, I, I saw that then. So Keith McNally has done three James Corden posts. The first one was calling him out. The second one was saying, look, we've all made mistakes. He apologized. It's fine. Like, you know, kind of all is forgiven. And then the third one was just, I think, last night or yesterday where he posted a photograph of himself, his daughter and his daughter's friend. And he said, you know, I'm feeling a bit weird about the James Corden thing now. He was like, on the one hand, I think it's important to call this stuff out. Mm. And then he said, and then on the other hand, I feel kind of sorry for him. Mm. And I think, you know, what must it have been like to be James Corden, you know, at the, you know, with the entire world talking about what an arsehole you are. I don't have any personal sympathy for him. I can't get there. But I can appreciate that it must have been very unpleasant. Yeah. Yeah, and he's like widely derided now. Like I felt... Once he went to the US, everyone just opened up about how much they disliked him. Whereas yeah. I thought everyone loved him before that Gavin and Stacey announced. Well, I think Gavin and Stacey is so amazing. But, and it was, but it was like, that was always Ruth Jones. Like that was always like the, every bit, I felt like as if watching Gavin, Gavin and Stacey, it was, all of the heart of that was directed towards her and he was just like a necessary addition oh, to I the show. Oh, I very much enjoyed him though. Like, I mean, I still to this day, there are a few scenes I can identify mm. more with than the time he arrives and they're ordering an Indian takeaway and he says what he wants and someone else says, oh yeah, I get that. And he says, no, no, if you want that, you can order your own. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I felt that very deeply in my soul right. as well. <laughs> like, but he I was... do, you know, there's a lot to, like, yeah. I mean, I can't take away from Gavin and Stacey as far as yeah. he's concerned. But there was an old story I saw that just surfaced as well of years ago Rob Brydon giving an interview and saying he basically had to take James Corden out to dinner and kind of give him a talking to because he was he was yeah. burning the candle at both ends and being rude and unpleasant okay so yeah. But it is, it. it is it is interesting though I suppose because you, you, the 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 Twitter do- discourse this week was very entertaining. He was banned mm. and everything from Ryanair to St James's Park to Eddie Rockets <laughs> and Fibsborough. But you know you kind of think well at the heart of this is a person who is really mean and, and perhaps needs some time to reflect. But then I saw this morning just as I was like scrolling on my doom scrolling on, on my Instagram that Anne Hathaway had talked about the response to her winning her Oscar in 2013, which was just a woman doing her job, getting recognition yeah. for doing her job and how the every, the entire world just turned in her and she got wrapped up in this sort of yeah. momentary swirl of hatred but for, just for doing her job. So there is kind of like, you know, it, it, it's an interesting one to... You would hope that he can reflect on this and then try and understand that the yeah. real issue here was how he treats people in the service industry yes. and people he doesn't perceive to be at his level. Yeah, his equal, Yeah, which is obviously ridiculous anyway. Um, okay, let's talk. We don't need to say much about this, but I for one am grateful that Selena Gomez and Hayley Bieber have been photographed together. 
Yeah, so it turns out there's no bad blood, allegedly, between no the beef. two of them. No beef. Um, obviously, this has become a thing because Selena Gomez used to date Mr. Bieber back in the day. And Hayley Bieber spoke on the Call Me Daddy podcast that she gets tirades of abuse online because mm. people think that Selena and Justin were meant to be together. And Selena has come out and said that, like, it's horrible. Why are you all bothering with this? I've moved on in my life. I mean, so, it's so many yeah. years ago. Yeah. I, I did see Selena's posted. I, I thought this was very funny. And now I am going to absolutely misrepresent this because I'm sort of half remembering it. <laughs> so go look it up yourself. But she she came out and said something like, oh, can we please, you know, let let Hayley Bieber uh, leave her alone. We should be celebrating my amazing new skincare products instead. <laughs> <laughs> like, I will say... Yeah. Selena Gomez's beauty line, unbelievable. Yes, okay. unbelievable. You literally can't get your hands on some of the products. Her liquid brushes and liquid highlights, unreal. Oh wow, okay. Like, so actually, do leave Hayley Bieber alone and yeah. celebrate. But Truly. I was just like, what an amazing way. Shout out Rare Turn your hate into money to me. <laughs> She's right. Well, it's the perfect way to frame it. I'm gonna jump on every sort of tirade now and just yeah. say, support my podcast. Yes, exactly, exactly. But yeah, I thought it, I thought it was good because I think it, it, it during that Call Me Daddy interview there was kind of an inference by Haley that like it would be great if Selena could you know, yeah. help me draw, yeah. put a line under this. And then obviously very quickly afterwards, I think I read that they were at a, this gala event and someone asked them to take a photograph together and they were like, yeah, but like, it's, it's, that's all it takes, you know? Yeah. And, and it, yeah. it's, this is the problem with Stan culture is that people become absolutely obsessed mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. totally unreasonable about things that have nothing to do with no, them. And they're not involved in any part of no. the, and the, the real, like the, I, I, I have always like, for me, just, well, not, you can't really say this anymore because Kanye has ascended to a new level, but I've mm. always kind of had him and Justin Bieber and Kanye in this same sort of like very entitled, mm. you know, probably need more inspection of their behavior. And I just, I don't understand. I don't get the Bieber standum at all. I Yeah. I mean, look, I, at one stage I was pretty into Justin Bieber. I won't lie. Also, Bieber I, hasn't been as bad as Kanye has. No, no, yeah. not at all. Not at all. No. I'd be like back in the day. No, okay. but he definitely, yeah, you're right. At one stage he was going through a very obnoxious an entitled phase I think he seems to have improved now now he's like it's all about God which I'm not sure is better yeah, yeah. yeah it's a big homophobic, <laughs> my personal opinion homophobic church he's in yeah. as well which isn't good um, okay now very quickly let's just acknowledge that Robbie Coltrane died I, I can't know. believe last week we were talking about Angela Lansbury dying and this week we're talking about Robbie Coltrane I know last time we were on was Olivia Newton-John dying oh, oh guys God, what's going legends. on one of those years uh, yeah you know I mostly know him for, or as Hagrid and mm. also from the James Bond movies had a lot of you know big Soft spot for from them, but also one of the best things to saw him in was that ITV drama National Treasure. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people talk was about that. Really, yeah. really good. And if you haven't seen it, it's basically he plays this kind of Jimmy Savile sort of character who's like beloved in the UK, but turns out he's molesting young women and how he's coming to terms with that, mm. how his wife comes to terms with that with his oh, family I'd like and to stuff. Watch that. Um, like difficult watch, but it, it's you know very current and you know about yeah. themes of media today. People yeah. have been absolutely glowing in their praise of him. Like everyone from Uniformly. J.K. Rowling <laughs> to um, <laughs> Stephen Fry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Who needs a soundboard? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, people have just been so glowing in their references to him. And he obviously was a very special man as well as mm, being a yeah, brilliant actor. No, he, so he seems to have been like you've seen all of the, the kids coming in from Harry Potter to talk about yeah. how like how special he made them feel and yeah. the sort of support that they felt. And I, I do like I 
wasn't obviously old enough for Cracker when it was on, but I certainly <laughs> remember my parents yeah, watching it. Me too. Um, and, you know, he, he was such a presence mm. of, on screen. I just 72 realized. as well. It's hard to, like... He's hard to put an age to, really, isn't he? He's kind yeah, of like a when, timeless figure. Yeah, because when Gordon said it to me, I was like, oh, he's very young to die, isn't he? I didn't realize he was... I mean, 72 is young to die mm, in, yeah. in, at this, in this day and age. But um, I didn't realize, yeah, that he was... Um, the one fun, old. the one fun factoid I did come across was apparently he squared up to and almost smacked Pierce Morgan in the ha- in the face in a <gasps> restaurant in uh, London in two thousand and nine. Stunning. Could have been. Yeah. Mm. What could have been? <laughs> we don't think so apparently Je- like Jer- Jeremy Clarkson was the o- is the only person to have actually connected in in terms oh, of that's the... that's a hard one to enjoy because Jeremy <laughs> yeah. Clarkson such an arsehole. And yes, you know I will enjoy it. Okay, before we go, um, let's talk finally about Graham Norton. Um, it, the way it's being framed is Graham Norton versus J.K. Rowling, but that is not no, actually no. what what went at on at all. No. I wrote my column for the Irish Independent this week um, about this. Um, so I literally transcribed word for word last night what was said and once again was blown away by the way this whole thing blew up. Yeah, so James, or no, James Corden. Graham Norton was speaking at the Cheltenham Literary Festival because he's promoting his book at the moment and was asked a question about cancel culture I think in reference to John Cleese and kind of said basically he often laughs about people complaining about cancel culture because here he is reading about them being published yeah. somewhere and they're obviously not cancelled and that really it shouldn't be called cancel culture it should be called accountability which I fully agree with yeah. and that you have free speech you just do not have free speech without accountability you can mm. say whatever you want but there yeah. will be consequences for mm-hmm. them Yeah. then the uh, MC or the host of the interview who I think was Mariella Frostrup, Frostrup yeah, yeah asked him but what about somebody like jk rowling she gets you know death threats and rape threats for speaking her mind she didn't even say that oh, did she not she didn't even okay. say that because that this becomes important yeah. later yeah, 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 please. <laughs> no what she said was and i only know because i i literally wrote this last night she said that she faces a deluge of anger rage and attempts at censorship okay that was how mariella yeah. froster termed it and i'm actually going to read exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. what graham norton Dude. said because i think it's important because it's been represent misrepresented so many places So what Graham Norton said was, what I feel weird about this is when I'm asked about this is I become part of this discussion. And all I'm painfully aware of is that my voice adds nothing to that discussion. And I'm sort of embarrassed that I'm somehow drawn into it, you know, and if people want to shine a light on those issues, and I hope people do, then talk to trans people, talk to the parents of trans kids, talk to doctors, talk to psychiatrists, talk to someone who can illuminate this in some way. You know, I'm very aware that as bloke off the telly, you know, your voice can be artificially amplified. And once in a blue moon, that can be good. But most of the time, it's just a distraction and it's just for clicks or whatever. And then you can put my name on a platform, you know, Graham Norton slams, Graham Norton defends or Graham Norton weighs in. And, you know, Graham Norton shouldn't be in your headline if you want to talk about something talk about the thing you don't need to attach a kardashian or a whatever to a serious subject the subject should be enough in itself it's the michael gove thing about enough experts no please can we rustle up some fucking experts and talk to them so that's what he said yeah like there yeah. is nothing about no. J.K. Rowling in there. No. And so then I think what happens next is someone who I don't think has been mentioned in pop culture in the last 10 years, Billy, Billy Bragg, Bragg. Yeah. <laughs> arrives, enters the chat and basically <laughs> supports and retweets the video going around of, of Graham says this, which I think is a bit, you know, the, whole, the whole fact that we're talking about this is a bit ironic because we're proving Graham's point mm. that this got amplified because Absolutely. of who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to that then, 
J.K. Rowling responded something about bearded men telling me what a woman is. Do you have the tweet there? I do. I have it right here. (laughs) (laughs) She said, very much enjoying the recent spate of bearded men stepping confidently onto their soapboxes to define what a woman is and throw their support behind rape and death threats to those who dare disagree. What? Mm. Like, Like, where did that happen? She's jumping a lot of hurdles in her head in order to get there. But it's all it's also all being done in the service of trying to push a narrative that people who have a, people who have an opinion that's not her opinion are dangerous and enabling. Yeah. Kind of. It, 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 ma- it makes me angry and it makes me sad. This whole subject. Yeah. Like, because, mm-hmm. I mean, like stepping back from the Graham Norton of it all to to. To just look at sort of like what has become of, of, you know, we were just talking about Robbie Coltrane. Robbie Coltrane introduced to an entire generation of multiple generations of, of children through Harry Potter. Harry Potter being mm. sort of an incredibly important part of so many people's experience growing up. And, you know, if you're within the queer community, for a lot of people, it was a space where you saw the what it, they, what it is that makes you different celebrated. Yeah. And to have someone, I suppose, just who doesn't seem to want to understand how vulnerable, how sidelined, how sad, how, how sort of how hard trans people's lives are in order to just go in the service of like what what their opinion is. It just it it, it makes me it do, it does just make me sad. And yeah. and I think what what Graham Norton said is that speech is free, but it's not consequence free, and it's about account- accountability. She's ignoring the part of that where the conversation is around the fact that she's actively pushing for legislation mm. and like trying to prevent legislation in Scotland that would allow trans people be registered and pointing at the very wrong group of people who are using the Twitter platform in order to level death threats and rape threats against her. Those yeah. people do exist. Those people are wrong. Nobody says that those people are, are, are right. But it's, it's she, she's muddying the water yeah. in order to prevent an, an actual conversation about, well, what, what impact are you having on the trans community yeah. here? But even, like, I mean, what Graham Norton said was, I'm a celebrity. What do I know? Talk to experts. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, and <laughs> how have we gotten to a point where... Ask the experts has become a divisive and offensive opinion. But she seems more, she seems to be pulling in the previous question as if it's attacking her. Yeah, and it wasn't directed at her at all. And I think she her rationale, which is such a jump and twisting of the facts, is like you can't say anything without accountability. She's saying, "Are you saying I can't say anything without rape threats?" Which is totally jumping the gun and is totally outside. Like no, no reasonable person would suggest that. No, and we know. I, I can say with certainty that Graham Norton does not endorse death threats. No, or rape threats. no. What I think is particularly nasty is you know I have a lot of compassion for women who try to just live their life on the internet and get hate and death threats and rape me threats. T- I mean, me yeah, too. Exactly. Yeah, but. The fact that she had used this system against him and basically turned her followers on him, forced yeah. him off Twitter, makes me feel like, you know, she's she's playing the same game that she's the victim to. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I choose to believe that he did not, like, come off Twitter because he, I, I think that going along with what he said within this, which is that I, like, very Taylor Swift, I do no longer want to, be, I no longer want to yeah. part of this narrative. I think he chose to come out of Twitter because he didn't want to be part of the conversation anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. That's the intelligent thing to to do. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't think he was, like, at home crying because people were sending no. him abusive tweets. I think he was like, 
fuck this. Like, yeah. what, that's what am I doing here? Like, you know, why would, and, and you know, that's what I was thinking when I was writing my piece, which I keep banging on about. But like, you know, why would you stay? Like the, the sensible and reasonable thing mm. to do is to <laughs> say, I don't need to be here. And yeah. he really does not need to be there. He's no. fucking Graham Norton. Like he's yeah. grand. And yeah. the thing is, he he didn't share this video. This no. video caught traction on his own. Yeah. He had, all, he, all he did was answer a question that somebody asked him during a book press. He, uh, had, he didn't bring this up himself. All he wanted to do was talk about his, his goddamn, goddamn book, <laughs> which is a nice, friendly mystery set in Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> Once again. I know. Poor Graham. Poor Graham. The, uh, yeah. I, have to say, I was very happy to hear him say that because I, I, you know, I am a fan. I listen to his radio show he had jk rolling on a few yeah, weeks ago I was, Did he? yeah, yeah and I, I was wondering about that i was i listened to the conversation i was interesting whether it would go and he kind of addressed twitter and he was kind of like would you not kind of come off twitter she's like oh no i love the sort of pub fight aspect of it and you could tell that they have a friendly relationship right and he kind of said look thank you for doing this show you don't need to your book sales are great blah 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 i appreciate it um and they seem friendly and i wonder is that an aspect of this that she feel betrayed by him or something yeah. like that? She probably, but, I mean, I know, and we know Graham Linehan mm. was like, I gave him his start. And like, oh God, I mean, dug him up out yeah. of hole somewhere, good God. Honest to God. And I, I have been worried that, you know, Graham was leaning a bit, to- like feeling a bit Tory yeah. recently. So I'm glad he kind of came out and basically said, he, in, you know, that he in isn't, isn't with her. mildly... <laughs> Yeah, sensible <laughs> or most sensible and most innocuous way. Like I mean, it's just done, yeah, it's yeah. wild. Anyway, guys, um, it, I'm so sorry. We have talked for a long That's time. A- <laughs> <laughs> it's always the way with you guys. I never want the conversation to end. Um, thank you so much, Keen Sullivan and James O'Hagan. Anything you want to plug in particular? No, Drag Race UK is on at the moment. So if you're watching it, we are yes, reacting to it over at that uh, Canada versus World coming soon. Coming soon. Yeah, coming Victoria soon. Scone making an appearance. Making appearance back. back. Exciting. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the episode today. Before I let you go, I am going to give you a couple of recommendations. I said last week that I was taking Sophie White's book, Where I End, with me on my trip, and I read it, and it is so good. It is so thought-provoking and um, atmospheric and just really, really good. It's not a big, like, it's not a really super thick book. Like, you know, it's not an endurance test in terms of reading it. I can't recommend it enough. It's out now. Sophie White, Where I End. And then we have been just devouring the new BBC Daisy May Cooper series, which is called Am I Being Unreasonable? Now, I know BBC shows can be a little bit tricksy to get. If you've got, I have Sky Glass, so... On that, you actually can watch previous episodes of um, BBC programs, which is honestly amazing. It's like, for me, it would be a big selling point of Sky Glass. But I know that there are other nefarious ways that you can kind of, you know, go back and watch previous episodes of BBC stuff. And I really would recommend this. So Daisy Mae Cooper, you may know her. She was in another program, BBC program called This Is England. She's very, very funny Um, English comedian I guess actor um writer she is brilliant and so when I saw that she had this new series and I saw a little scene from it on TikTok it looked really funny and I was like oh I definitely want to watch that but it's so much more than that it's kind of a mystery it's very funny 
Um, but it's also kind of a mystery. Like you don't really know what's going on. It drops you all these kind of clues that, that indicate that there's something, you know, bigger afoot or someone's not telling the truth or, you know, it, the whole way through, you're kind of not entirely sure of what's happening. And then more and more is revealed as you go on. It's so good. I, I don't feel like I've done a great job of recommend or of describing it, but I do really recommend it. It's called Am I Being Unreasonable? Uh, Daisy Mae Cooper is the um, co-creator and she is the star of the show. And um, she has a son in it who is like, he is such a brilliant actor. He's it's so funny. Um, really recommend it. There you go. So I better go since this has been a very long episode of this podcast. But I would like to thank all of my brilliant contributors and Acast as well. And also, I, I keep forgetting to say, because I sometimes get questions, it's Pillow Queens who do the theme song for the podcast, uh, the wonderful Pillow Queens. I will be back with you next Friday. In the meantime, I hope you have a great one. Tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris, and Mop Master dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.